Are you looking for the truth? Then welcome back and thank you for tuning in to the latest edition of Foolish Ministries. Biblical prophecy, past, present, and future. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever with your host, Robert Paulson. If this is your first time listening, we want to welcome you to visit our website, foolishministries.com, where you can subscribe to alerts and see all of our latest biblical prophecy videos and news. All right, and welcome back. Uh, Today, we're going to be going over the regathering of Israel. That is the physical regathering of uh, the Jewish people to the land of Israel. And I'm very excited to get into it. Um, Before we go into it, I just want to take the first couple minutes and explain a few things. I'm going to be doing a a six-part series. So the next six episodes that I post are going to be a six-part series on the promises of God. And I'm really excited to get into it. And uh, here's why uh, I actually decided to do it like this. Um, In 2 Peter, I'm pulling it up here if you're watching, uh, we learn in in, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, I'm just going to read it out and let the word speak for itself. Uh, Peter writes, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Uh, He goes on to say, as his divine power, the divine power of Jesus, our Lord, of God, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Um, And I can definitely attest to that, that through the knowledge of God, uh, through studying his word, through getting close to him, uh, definitely grace and peace come through that. But more specifically in verse four, I like uh, Peter writes, um, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. So it's almost like a gift, right? We have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. They're given to us and they're recorded in the word of God. Um, that through these, through these promises, we can be partakers of the divine nature, right? The nature of God. And this is really the crux of it. This is why I want to do this series. It says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, right? So uh, lust is a huge issue in the church. It's a huge issue in humanity, right? And Peter here kind of tells us how to escape it. If you're struggling with lust, it could be anything. It could be food. It could be money, any, any sort of corruption, right? Uh, it's through God's precious promises. And when I first read that right after I got saved, um, I wanted to know all those promises. And we're certainly not going to go through all the promises of God. That would take a a lifetime. Um, But I'm hoping some of these will get you guys excited just like they got me excited. Um, So I'm going to explain uh, the six-part series. Um, Today we're going to be on episode one. It's going to be the regathering of Israel that's been going on since the 18th century up until you know 1948 uh, when they became a nation. Uh, it's really started to boom and it's, it's still going on right now. So we're going to focus today on the physical regathering of the Jewish people to the physical land of Israel, right? Or Palestine, depending on where you come down on that. Um, episode two, we're going to go over the new covenant in Christ's blood. Um, that's the spiritual Uh, new covenant that we as Christians enter and that that I believe one day a large portion of Jewish people are going to enter into that covenant. 
Um, episode three is the tribulation and time of Jacob's trouble, which are actually the same thing. The Old Testament talks about the tribulation. It calls it the time of Jacob's trouble or the Jewish people's trouble. The New Testament, we, we refer to it as the tribulation, so I'll be explaining it there. Um, always looking for Old and New Testament you know, to line up. Um, episode four, I'm really excited about. It'll be the day of the Lord, explaining what is Armageddon, what is the final battle where Jesus Christ comes back, and talking a little bit about the national salvation of Israel. Episode five, we're going to go into the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'm really excited about that one. In episode six, we'll talk about the new heavens and the new earth, right? The eternal state that we enter in, you know, after the consummation of human history, right? So that's super exciting stuff. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these topics are, are very controversial depending on what denomination you are. And so I, I wanted to explain how I read the Bible and how I interpret the Bible. And it's cool. I get to give people kind of a fresh look. Um, so I'm not a pastor. I'm not in ministry that way. I did not go to seminary. I, I think seminary is fantastic to be able to spend that many years studying is, is awesome. Um, but, you know, I only got saved about a year and a half ago, and I've only been reading the Bible about two and a half years. Um, now, I do have an addict's personality, so I, I certainly go at it, you know, with a lot, you know, I spend a lot of time in the Word of God. Um, but I want to explain how I interpret it. It's, I, I take the Bible very literally. Uh, people will put me in a certain camp and say, oh, you must be, you know, this. You, you must be a Calvinist. You must be an Orthodox. You must be a premillennial dispensationalist. I've heard all these terms, um, but I don't, even, I don't even know what half of them mean because I spend so much time focusing on the Word of God. Uh, let me give you an example. I, I believe in election. Uh, I'm not going to go into it right now, uh, but I, I believe that. I believe the Bible teaches that. So someone will look right at me and say, well, well you must be a, a Calvinist. Um, I've never read much of what Calvin wrote at all. I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't think I've ever really read what Calvin wrote. I have no idea. Um, so, you know, people like to label people, and that's totally fine. There's nothing malicious about it. Um, but truly, I just, I love the Word of God. I read things outside of the Word of God, like sermons and study Bibles and things like that. But I, I'm largely sort of um, untainted from, like, learning every single viewpoint out there and then coming down on one. I just, I love the Lord, I love His Word, and I take it literally. Just to give you an example, like when God said He created the world in six days, I think he created the world in six days, right? That's just a, a perfect example. And, and uh, I do have a reason for that. And it's kind of my litmus test for when I listen to other people preach the word of God. Um, in Isaiah chapter 66, verses one and two, I'm just gonna read it out. Uh, Isaiah writes, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. On this one will I look. I, I want to be the one. <laughs> and then it says, it says, this is exactly where I'm looking to rest. This is exactly where I'm looking to live. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, a humble spirit, and this is so key, who trembles at my word trembles at my word. I am terrified to interpret the word of God wrong. Um, I hope he forgives me if I do, uh, but it is my regular prayer that God will just take away this microphone before I would lead somebody astray. And as I read the word of God, I just interpret it very literally. You know, I, I don't take anything away from it. I don't 
try and add my own interpretation, and I pray to the Holy Spirit uh, for guidance, okay? And so with that being said, we'll, we'll get into the, uh, the episode of the day, which is the regathering of Israel. I think this is such an amazing topic. I think it's such an amazing evangelistic tool as well uh, for an atheist. Now, I was never an atheist, right? But I, I always knew this kind of a few scriptures about Israel, and they always fascinated me even before I believed in Christ. Um, but an atheist or somebody who's very devoted to you know, what they call facts or science or whatever they ascribe to as their basis of truth, um, a lot of the things we're talking about today are just 100% historically verified. And it, is, it, it can kind of shake somebody to say, whoa, this really is a prophecy in the Bible written thousands of years ago. And if you just take the Bible literally, it literally came true. So it gives, uh, you know, veracity. It gives, you know, it, it verifies uh, the word of the Lord, right? And so I, I find it pretty amazing. Um, and so we're going to start in Deuteronomy. This is written 3,400 years ago. It's the first five books of the Bible. It is, you know, the, it's the very end of the first five books of the Bible. Um, Moses, you know, gives it to the Jewish people at that time. Uh, you know, the Hebrews at that time, they didn't have a land or anything like that. And it lays out the whole law. They get the creation account in Genesis. They get their law. They know what to do. They know what not to do. The Ten Commandments, uh, everything. And a lot of prophetic history and how I interpret it, even from the moment I got saved, I was reading this and just fascinated, uh, is in Deuteronomy chapter 28 through 30. You know, the very end of the first five books of the Bible uh, written about 3,400 years ago, right? So that's, you know, written about 1,500 years or so before Christ was born, which is, you know, amazing. Um, and so after giving them the law and everything, Moses uh, goes through, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, I definitely recommend you read this, he goes over blessings for obedience to the covenant and then curses for disobedience. And so the blessings for obedience for a nation, I mean, it's great. It's, it's like the prosperity gospel, right? It's everything a nation would want. You'll be the leader of nations. You'll be rich. You'll be prosperous. You'll have plenty of food. Uh, your wife won't ask you to go to the silly fair on the weekend. I mean, everything is just going to be great. <laughs> you'll have a strong military. You'll be the head and not the tail of all the world and, and you name it. Um, and they did. They did. Under King David and Solomon, there were periods where they were extremely prosperous. Nobody on earth was more prosperous than Israel under Solomon. And David had, you know, th those kingdoms had a long period of blessings. Um, but then in verses 28, uh, I'm sorry, in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, uh, verses 15 through the end of the chapter, there are tons of curses for disobedience. These are really scary curses. Some of them I don't even like to talk about on my podcast, to be honest, but it's just faithful preaching to explain the word of God as it's written. Um, and I'm not going to go over every curse here, but I want to go over uh, a couple because these curses, are you, you can so specifically track them through history that the Jewish people have suffered that it gives amazing verification to the, the power behind the word of God. You know, the word of God is living and active what God says will happen, will happen. You know, he is sovereign. And so in verse 33, it says, um, uh, he's talking about all the curses for disobedience, the scattering, but he mentions here, you shall only be oppressed and crushed continually. That's really important historically, okay? The Jewish people are the, and, and I'm Jewish, that's my predominant blood type. 
the Jewish people, they are the most persecuted people in history. We're going to talk about that uh, more later. Um, but that, that's, that's a prophecy written here. You will be oppressed and crushed continually. It talks about you know, going into other nations and the foreigners are going to rule over you. Um, in verse 37, uh, this is talking about those curses. It says, you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all the nations where the Lord will drive you. So that's one of the first prophecies. The Lord is saying, I'm going to scatter you amongst the nations. Remember, this is being delivered to the Jewish people before they even had their own nation. And then when they did have it, it was a small state like the size of Connecticut on the right side of the Mediterranean Sea, right? Uh, so we're going to hear some prophecies about God scattering them across the world that are pretty fantastic and that have happened. Um, but this is another really clear prophecy. You shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword, almost like a curse word among all the nations where the Lord will drive you. And I don't use this curse word, but some people will call people like a cheap Jew or people all throughout history have called Jewish people by extremely negative names, right? And, and that's not good, but that's just the reality, right? Um, moving on in verses 52 to 57, this is a really specific prophecy. There were multiple fulfillments. Uh, it predicts a horrible siege, so terrible that people would literally engage in cannibalism because they were so hungry. And you can trace this to the, the Assyrian, the Babylonian sieges and all that, but no siege more than the Roman sack of Jerusalem. After Christ died about 30, 35, 40 years later, the Romans came in, they destroyed the temple just like he predicted, and they, they uh, laid siege to Jerusalem. And that's recorded for us by a, a Jewish historian. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But that's a very specific prophecy for these curses for disobedience. Um, and then in verse 62, it talks about you shall be left few in number, whereas you were like the stars of heaven, the sand of the seashore, right, in multitude. So there's always mercy for the, these Jewish people, right? You'll be left few in number. You're not going to be totally destroyed, um, but you're not going to be like the stars of heaven, right? Like under, you know, David and Solomon, I don't know what their population was, but clearly they were, uh, you know, uh, flourishing, right? And so you, you shall be left few in number. That's, that's really key. Um, so moving on, and then in verse 64 of the curses, this is so key. This is like, you know, this is really big. Verse 64, it says, then, right, so after all these other curses, the Lord will scatter you among all peoples, all peoples, from one end of the earth to the other. That is just strikingly, I mean, it's 30, written 3,400 years ago, and this actually happened. I'm going to prove in the podcast today that this is just, whether you believe in God or not, this has just historically happened, right? Uh, from one end of the earth to the other. It's so specific. Uh, and then one other really specific small uh, curse that says you'll be offered for sale as slaves to your enemies in Egypt again, but no one will buy you. And, and that's a small one. It's very specific, but that actually happened and is recorded by uh, Flavius Josephus. After the Roman sack of Jerusalem, the Jews were sold as slaves in such a large number th that nobody was buying them. They, they, you know, they had a, a supply and they had too much supply and no demand, right? So uh, just to recap that, you've got blessings for obedience. Then you have curses for disobedience. And we're going to follow those through history later. But then, and this is really important, 
in chapter 30, you have a prophecy concerning the nation's future. And it's, uh, it's absolutely fascinating if you can wrap your head around it. Check this out. Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says, Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you. You see, that's so clear. That's God saying, listen, the blessing, it did come. The curses are also going to come. You're going to be obedient for a while and you're going to fall away. I mean, it's, it's a prophecy. It's very clear. Um, it says, after the blessing uh, and the curse, which I've set before you, and this is so key, you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. Uh, I'll prove this more later, but Jews are in every nation of the world right now, right? And they weren't at this time, certainly not. They had just come out of Egypt. They were just the Hebrews coming out of Egypt. They didn't even have their land yet let alone being scattered to all the nations. But this is fantastic. This is, there is so much truth in the Bible. It's insane. Um, so the blessing and the curse, which I've set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, right? So the blessing and the curse are going to happen. And then it says, we're going on to verses two and three. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity. This is Deuteronomy still. This is 3,400 years ago still. Bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. That's amazing. Uh, moving on, he says, If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you. From there he'll bring you. Okay, and that's huge. That's talking about the physical regathering of Israel. Not just that Israel, uh, you know, signed some documents and became an official nation in 1948, but that's talking about the physical regathering of Israel. Then, still in Deuteronomy, then it says, the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed. That's Israel, to the land, that's key, and you shall possess it. So you have the blessings, those happened, the curses, those have clearly historically happened, leading all the way up to the, you know, the Holocaust, right? The, those curses have happened. You can read all about them. Um, you will possess the land again. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers, okay? This is incredible. And the Lord, this is, this is now the next promise. So not just that he's going to regather the people and put them back in the land after their disobedience, but here's the promise of a spiritual revival. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. That's huge. In those six verses of Deuteronomy chapter 30, to me, it lays out the plan for the Jewish people for all of history. And obviously the Gentiles, the nations, are grafted into that. We are a part of the Israel of God, right? I don't think the church has replaced Israel, as some people say. Uh, God is saving a people group, and he has always, with arms wide open, welcomed us, right? That's why the Messiah, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, he is Jewish. He is of the line of David. He, you know, he is a Jew, right? And so... Uh, that, I just find that absolutely amazing. So just a couple key promises I, I want to go over. 
You have clearly in Deuteronomy, you have a physical gathering for the Jews in the land of Israel after the scattering, and then you have a spiritual cleansing, salvation, new heart, new covenant, right? Like that's what we're talking about here. And so that's in Deuteronomy. That's, you know, the oldest book in the oldest books in the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy, right? We don't know exactly when Job was written, but that's the, the first five books that Moses handed to the Hebrews, I mean, that's huge that you have all those prophecies in there. It's so specific. But now I want to go through the prophets. I want to go through Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Isaiah, and then the greatest prophet of all, our Lord Jesus Christ, and see what they had to say about these two promises, a physical gathering and a spiritual cleansing. And so I want to start in Ezekiel. Ezekiel was written, any, any prophet, you're usually somewhere between 500 years before Christ and 800 years before Christ, right? So I'll just say that and leave that there. So in Ezekiel, uh, this is pretty amazing. It's very straightforward. It says uh, in chapter 11, Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. Remember, I take the Bible literally, so I think that's actually going to happen, and it's, I believe it started already, right? And they will go there and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. All the idols and things like that, right? And then it says in chapter 11, verse 19 and 20, then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them. So first I'll regather them. Then I will give them a new spirit and take the stony heart of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. That's awesome. I mean, that mirrors Deuteronomy almost exactly. It says, I'll bring them back to their land. Then, you know, that's the first word of verse 19. Then I will give them one heart, and I'll put a new spirit within them. So I think it's clearly echoing that. Uh, in Ezekiel 36, verse 24, very clear again, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, 37, 21, uh, then say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. <laughs> and I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, right? Israel had split up into different tribes, uh, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. So that's another promise, which is unity, okay? And then it goes on to say in verse uh, 37, verse 20, chapter 37, verse 23, uh, they shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, right? This is a spiritual renewer, renewal, <laughs> nor, will, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. This is just absolutely fascinating, these promises, right? So you see the physical gathering, then the spiritual regathering. Uh, now I want to go to Jeremiah and explain what Jeremiah thought about this. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 32. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath, right? God drove them into all the nations, the Jewish people, 
because they broke his covenant with, with idolatry. They worshiped other gods. And I think the final uh, breaking of that covenant was when they delivered over Jesus Christ, right, to be, to be crucified, right? Um, I'll bring them back to this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. That, that's important. Uh, they shall be my people and I will be their God. It then goes on to say, then once again, you have a, like a, almost like it's explaining it. I'm bringing them back to the land. And, and just like in Ezekiel, Jeremiah says, then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. The new covenant is a covenant of fear between us and God, right? It, it's, a, it's, fantastic. <laughs> uh, and then it says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them, an eternal covenant, uh, that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. That's so amazing. Uh, and then he says, yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. And so as you're reading these things, I mean, it, it, for me, in order to interpret biblical prophecy, I have to understand the absolute sovereignty of God, how like immensely powerful he is, uh, which nobody can fully understand that. But knowing that he is sovereign over everything, as the Jewish people have been scattered uh, for the last 2,000 years, and they have been subjects of persecution right? I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm Jewish. I, I don't think they deserve that any more than I deserve that or anything like that. This isn't a blame game, right? This is understanding that God sovereignly has allowed this to happen as a punishment for what they've done. But because God doesn't change, he is merciful and he is going to save the Jewish people of Israel. I think a massive revival is on the way for them. Um, it, I believe it'll happen after the tribulation, but that's for another uh, video. Or I'm sorry, at the end of the tribulation, but that's for another video. But I think God so clearly lays out his plan uh, for the Jewish people. And Jesus is going to talk about it here in a minute. And, and I, I think we'll get to that now. So, but, but right before that, one more prophet that I think is, is so key. Um, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 12. Some people call it, Isaiah is my favorite book of the Bible. He was one of the most, you know, the, the most important major prophets. Um, this is just so clear. It says he will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The four corners of the earth means every corner of the earth. Isaiah is written like 2,700 years ago, uh, 700 years before Christ was born. They weren't even in the four corners of the earth. They were in a small state on the right side of the Mediterranean, like the size of Connecticut or Rhode Island, a very small area. So the fact that we can prove some of these prophecies have come true is fantastic. Um, and so now I want to go to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So we've talked about a lot of scripture. We're seeing, you know, those two key promises, right? The physical regathering and the spiritual salvation for the Jewish people. Uh, those promises are, are so uh, key, and you're seeing them in Deuteronomy and all the prophets. But now let's see what Jesus had to say about this. So in, in both Luke and Matthew, right, about 2,000 years ago now, um, th this is so key. Uh, Luke records for us that Jesus says, and they, the Jewish people, will fall by the edge of the sword, right? They're going to fall in battle and be led away captive into all the nations, 
So these are our Lord Jesus's words. Jesus was a Jew. He's saying, listen, this is going to happen. They're going to be led away captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles, right? The nations. So to understand the word Gentiles, anybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. Anybody who's not a Gentile is a Jew, right? Like it's very straightforward. Um, and so it says, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That's so important. What I love about the Bible and I love about biblical prophecy, it tells me where I am on God's glorious calendar, right? Right now, we live in the time of the Gentiles. Uh, now I'm Jewish. It doesn't mean Jewish people can't get saved. It, that's not true. I got saved. Uh, Jewish people absolutely come to Christ all the time. There's great websites that give their testimonies all the time. But the times of the Gentiles right now, the overwhelming majority of what I see God doing in the world and I see people coming to Christ is in all the nations. The gospel is being proclaimed from all the nations, to all the nations, and they are coming to Christ. We live in the age of grace where no matter what you've done, you can come to Christ and, and receive that forgiveness. That's the times of the Gentiles right now, right? Uh, so I think that's really important. That phrase, Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That's an amazing prophecy because like I said, about 40 years after Christ died, the Romans came in, they destroyed the temple. They, they trampled Jerusalem, right? Romans are Gentiles. And since then, other than here and there with some Jewish people, uh, the Jewish people largely have not had control of Jerusalem. And even to this day, they actually, even though the, the, the nation of Israel in 1948 became a nation, and in 1967 fought a war for Jerusalem, the Gentiles are still uh, in the Temple Mount, uh, all, all areas of Jerusalem. There is both Jew and Gentile. But certainly, I think we're seeing foreshadowings of the time where the time of the Gentiles might be fulfilled, right? One other thing that I just want to make sure I, I bring up here, uh, it's not so much related to the regathering of Israel. It's just such an amazing prophecy. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, uh, they were showing him the buildings of the temple, and Jesus said to them, do you see all these things? Not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So two prophecies from Jesus. One is that everybody, the Jewish people are going to be scattered to all the nations until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And the way I read that is I see Israel start to gather in the land again, I wonder if the time of the Gentiles is almost fulfilled, right? Nobody knows the day or the hour, right? But, but we're not of the night, we're of the day. So, so that day where Jesus comes back, it's not supposed to shock us, right? It wouldn't, wouldn't shock me right now. I just don't know the day or hour, right? And so uh, that temple prophecy, I want to I wanna explain that here in a minute too. And so now uh, I want to just recap and go over some just clear-cut things in history and just just explain how, and, and hopefully you'll be able to see the Bible just come alive. Um, so once again, I'm just pulling up a globe here. Uh, Israel, you can barely see it. It's in red on the globe. It's this small little place. And when all of this was written, that's where it was. They weren't in all the nations. So God knows history. He's not like, oh, they're not going to understand it, they're, you know, or, you know, they're not going to get it. Uh, he was prophesying something that we're meant to understand right now, which I think is just so powerful, right? And so now I'm going to pull up, um, I'm going to pull up a, a couple different graphs and a few things for you guys to see. This is a world map, and this is the Jewish population by country. And as you can clearly see from the United States 
to Israel, to Australia, South Africa, Russia. Jews are literally all over the world, just like the Bible clearly prophesied. But unlike every other nation, uh, Jeb, excuse me, <laughs> Jebusites, Perizzites, Hittites, Hivites, you can't go and meet one of them today and talk to them. But you can go and talk to an Israelite in Israel. Or you can go to the United States or Canada or Brazil or Chile and talk to a Jew there, right? And that's what's amazing is we have Jewish people that have maintained their identity for 2,000 years. No other people group in history has done that while being scattered and, and, and beaten in battle and things like that, right? Like you can't go and meet an Akkadian today, right? It, it doesn't happen, right? And yet you can go meet Jewish people and you can go and talk to an Israelite. This is ridiculous. If you really look at this, I hope it opens your eyes. It shows you just the, I mean, we stand on the promises of God. As you read the Bible, Jesus Christ himself, he was a promise from God, right? He is God, but we stand on those promises. We trust in his mercy alone, right? Not in what we do. And I, I hope that as you see this, you'll say, wow, all the promises of God, they really come true. So God is, uh, and I'm, I'm certainly not of the opinion, or I, I think it's silly to say that every Jew is going to heaven. No, going to heaven, salvation uh, through Jesus Christ, that's an individual thing. And right now there's a spiritual, there's sort of a veil, there's a partial hardening uh, on uh, Jewish people since Christ has died, where when they read the Old Testament, they can't see Jesus there, right? But there's always a remnant of Jewish people and a remnant of Gentiles, remnant of everybody out of every tribe, every tongue, every nation that God is going to save through Christ. But there's also separate promises for the Jewish people. And you're seeing them right here. If you're looking at this graph, they're all over the world. And I want to point out, this graph is just Jews registered with Jewish communities. Guys, I wouldn't even be on this graph. I'm 30% Jewish. It's my predominant blood type. I didn't even find that out, so I took a blood test. There are Jews all over the world, so much more than just this graph. These are just Jews registered with a Jewish community. So we see that prophecy. God has absolutely scattered the Jewish people to all four corners of the world, just like he said he would. Another thing that I want to talk about where it's clearly recorded for us in history, the Roman sack of Jerusalem and the Roman siege of Jerusalem. This guy I'm pulling up on the screen, if you can see it, he's a famous historian, Flavius Josephus. He was there and escaped during that siege and Rome allowed him to live at their expense and write all about the siege. If you read the curses in Deuteronomy, and then I don't, I don't expect you to read the entire works of Flavius Josephus. It's a very dull read. But just pull up the cliff notes of, uh, of this. People do this all the time. Uh, if you read the curses for disobedience, some of the specific ones, like being sold to Egypt, but the Jewish people that, that you know, people won't even want to buy them anymore, he records that. Uh, the unfortunate curses of cannibalism, he records that. He specifically says that that Roman siege of Jerusalem, I think he records up to a million Jews died, uh, you know, total. He says specifically, no other thing uh, under heaven has ever happened to a people group ever up until that time as bad as the Roman siege of Jerusalem. And just like Jesus predicted, they were sold to all the nations. And just like Jesus predicted, every stone of the temple was brought down. And that's because there was gold in between the stones. 
And so the Romans wanted to get it, so they took every stone down. You can go to Israel today, I've done it, and you can see the original stones pulled down. It's, it's just incredible, and you'll see the word of God come alive. And so uh, finally, just one more graph. I know it's hard to, th this is a really complex graph, but just look at the stuff that I've highlighted in yellow. It's from oddyetta.com. And I want to just explain a couple things throughout the history of Egypt. So you have, I'm sorry, the history of the Jewish people and the history of Israel. Um, in 70 AD, you have the destruction of the second temple by Rome, right? Jesus specifically predicted that, and he died before that, right? That's, that's incredible. Um, and then look at all the, you know, specifically when we go back to the curses that I was talking about, how the Gentiles and the, the foreigners would rule over them and persecute them. They'd be cursed in the city, cursed in the country. I mean, look at this. In 1348, Jews were blamed for the Black Plague. In 1492, there was an expulsion from Spain during the Spanish Inquisition. 1648, there was the Ukrainian Massacre. In 1897, there was the first Zionist Congress, okay? Around, I think, 1880, 1890, Jews started to return to Israel. At that time, it was called Palestine because Rome, when they first sacked Jerusalem, they wanted to uh, get rid of the, the Jewish name there, so they named it Palestine. But in 1880, 1890, Jews started to return there. They had the first Zionist Congress. And then in 1939, the Holocaust happened. At that time, there was about 16.6 million Jews, and, and the population went down by like 6 million, so about 10 million Jews. It, the Holocaust is, is, I mean, it was like the single greatest, uh, most atrocious, horrible thing in history. When you really study it, it is absolutely terrifying. It, it, if you watch Holocaust documentaries, it will give you a physical representation, uh, best as we can, uh, you know, of hell, right? I mean, that's that's when I watch the Holocaust, I, I fear that wrath, right? Like that's that's how I see it. It is horrible. But unfortunately, as horrible and as how you know horrible the depravity of man is, and God will hold them accountable, ultimately all the persecution of the Jewish people was prophesied for the breaking of the covenant. As was the regathering of Israel, which we have seen clearly happen as will be the future coming spiritual revival of the Jewish people that I'll talk about uh, soon. Um, so, so you have the Holocaust, which if you look at a common theme in the Bible, it's actually pretty amazing. Uh, you know, before Moses was born, there was the slaughter of the innocent children. And then the Jews at Purim, right? Or Purim, you know, there was a, an attempt by Haman to just totally destroy the Jewish people. And then right before Jesus was born to stop that, um, I believe it was Herod, he, he ordered another slaughter of the innocent children uh, to try and kill Jesus, just like you know they had tried, Pharaoh tried to kill Moses. Uh, but always God is faithful and he preserves you know, that seed. He preserved Jesus uh, because he's God, right? And that's, you know, not going to get too much into that. But what I find amazing about history is like when I look at the Holocaust and I look at Germ you know, Nazi Germany and Hitler, which many people don't know, but Hitler, it's it said that you cannot understand why Hitler did what he did unless you understand how deeply he was into the occult. I mean, the, the, even Satanism, many things come from the Third Reich. I mean, it was a deeply occultish practice, right? But from that horrible slaughter of the Holocaust, what happens right after? Boom, 1948, Israel declares independence. 
And immediately, you can watch a couple good documentaries on this. In 1948, there was the Arab-Israeli War. As soon as Israel declared independence in, in, there, all the Arab nations attacked it, and, and they were totally outnumbered, and miraculously, they just crushed their enemies. Then in 1967, there was the Six-Day War. Another just, I mean, watch a documentary on it, the Six-Day War. It's like 30-minute documentaries. They were so outnumbered, and they just decimated Egypt and Jordan, entire air forces in like an afternoon. I mean, it, it, it's incredible documentaries. And you can see the hand of God uh, sustaining that. At least I believe that's, that's what happened there, right? And so from that, in the 1967 war, they got control of Jerusalem again. And that's huge. I mean, Jerusalem is the point of so many end times prophecies that I, I can't even start it on this video, right? But when they took control of Jerusalem again, they did not seize control of the full Temple Mount. And to this day, they don't have control of the full Temple Mount. And if you remember, Jesus said, Jerusalem will be trampled by nation, by the Gentiles, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And I believe that's where we are right now. We are at the point in history where the Jews are back in their land. They have not received a spiritual salvation. They are not right with God. They have not come to Christ. Uh, but they have gotten Israel, then they got Jerusalem, and the only thing left, in my opinion, is the Temple Mount. And I think that will happen during the seven-year tribulation or right before it. And so I think we're just at this amazing time in history where right now, you know, it's very clear God has scattered Israel to all the nations. I mean, this graph right here literally proves it. History proves it. Whether you're an atheist or you love Jesus, you have to admit the Jewish people have been scattered. <laughs> And you have to admit, they've certainly been regathered, right? The Jewish people are largely moving to Israel right now. They have a huge program called Aliyah where they get people to come. And, you know, if, as we're seeing more and more anti-Semitism lately, uh, that leads people to go to Israel, right? The scarier it is for Jewish people in all the world, the more they move to Israel because it's safe for them there, right? It's a land for the Jewish people. Um, and I think that's why in the Old Testament, when you hear that the tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he'll be saved out of it, I do think you're going to see that increase uh, as time goes on. So that's, that's where I think we are in history right now. We've got a physical regathering. Uh, I think there's going to be a final regathering during or after the tribulation. There's certainly going to be a spiritual cleansing. Um, so I want to end with this, and then we'll move on to the new covenant next week. Um, Jeremiah 31, 31. So uh, this is just one more final prophecy. Um, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, right? That's the covenant that I talked to you about, the curses for disobedience, obedience after, uh, you know, God used Moses to lead the, the Hebrews out of Egypt. He says, my covenant, which they broke. They broke that covenant, right? Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. So God was merciful. He was gracious. He gave them abundance, but they broke that covenant. But God in his mercy, he's going to make a new covenant. And then he says, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. That's from Deuteronomy to Jeremiah. You can see it. He's going to write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. 
for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For, this is so gracious, for I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. And then it finishes up. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. You see the power of God. The Lord of hosts is his name. That means Lord of armies. And then he says, if those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. I mean, that's such an amazing promise. God is saying, you can't break my covenant with the sun or the moon. You have no control over it. You can't break my covenant with the stars. Well, guess what? You can't break my covenant with the Jewish people. He's saying, I'm going to do a new covenant. Now, when I first got saved, I didn't know I was Jewish. Whenever I heard about promises that weren't for me, I would just, I don't know, they just like hurt my faith. <laughs> but as I read more and more of the Bible, I realized this is all. The Bible reveals God's redemptive plan for mankind. And it's so clear. He led a nation out. He's saving a people, but he is always inviting everybody. You know, the spirit and the bride say, come. Jesus said, anybody who wants, come and drink freely. Like the water's free. <laughs> so there was always a plan to include the Gentiles in uh, the Jewish people's God, right? Like Jesus is the Jewish God, right? He's the son of God. He is the Jewish Messiah. And so I don't want to take that away from the Jewish people. But we all know in the church, in the blood of Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. When we get to eternity, I'm not sure how it'll work and all the exact things there. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to matter. But right now, I think there's huge promises for the people of Israel. We've seen that they have been scattered. They have been regathered. And I believe we're waiting for the national salvation of Israel, a huge repentance. I don't believe it will be every Jew. I, I, uh, Zechariah seems to talk about where it'll be like one third of Jews, um, but I certainly believe there's going to be a judgment for all the nations in the end and for the Jewish nation, but I think there's going to be a huge, during the time of the tribulation, a huge national salvation for the people of Israel. Uh, I don't get to decide, right? I'm not God. I wish everybody would come to Christ and be saved. But as I read the Bible, that it seems so clear to me that that is promised, right? And so what's great today, if you're listening, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you can enter into that new covenant right now because Jesus said, anyone who desires, come to me and drink. That new covenant has new blood. It's an eternal covenant. It has the eternal blood of the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. That is Jesus Christ. He is fully man and fully God. So your doctrinal stance and where exactly you fall on all this stuff is not as important as where you put your faith for salvation. I don't know about you, but as for me, I put it in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Have a great day, guys. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about that new covenant, the new covenant in Christ's blood. Have a great one. Oh, <laughs>